0: Welcome to Straight Talk Live. It's great to be with you again on this Thursday morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this show. So my name is Rick Snyder. I'm one of the co-hosts of Straight Talk Live. I'm the CEO of Invisible Edge. Um, I am the culture officer at Refound and the author of Decisive Intuition. And I am joined by one of my incredible cohorts and and colleagues in this life, uh, Holtra. You are an incredible uh, partner in this mindset of... Straight Talk Live and creating this amazing opportunity with uh, me and our audience. So welcome, Af. What you, would you like to share about today and what you're excited about for this topic?
1: Thank you, Rick. Welcome to the audience again. Uh, we've got two fantastic guests on, um, on our show today. And um, before I started uh, Growth Enabler, where I'm a co-founder, as you guys know, and this whole idea of Straight Talk Live came about, I was in the corporate world for a number of years. And one of my old friends from the corporate world happens to be on the show today. So, very excited to have um, Remy and Guy on the show today. I'm um, particularly interested in this subject. I had an opportunity, thanks to Remy actually, three and a half years ago, to go and present on robotics. I had very limited knowledge on it and had to quickly upgrade my knowledge. And I went all the way to, I think it was San Jose. And we presented at Robo Business, and uh, there were some incredible brains and minds in that show. In fact, Ray Kurzweil was one of the keynote speakers, the guy behind Singularity. And of course, we have a you know we have a collaboration with Singularity in London as well. So today's topic is close to my um, intellectual sort of uh, vibrations and and my heart because as um, as a friend of AI, I think robotics and robots and AI live together. Uh, they They're dependent on each other. They have a very close personal relationship. But AI has been talked about a lot more than robotics has and robots have. And I think today is an opportunity to really unpack that and talk about it in uh, a lot of detail. So without further ado, um, let's crack on, Rick. And uh, over to you to set the scene and let's get into the core of this conversation.
0: When I think about the future, um, I sometimes go back to the past of George Jetson, the old TV show from the 50s and 60s where you see people flying around in these robotic machines and and traveling in the skies. And then you imagine it's not that far away when you think about drones and drone activity and what the highways might look like in the future uh, and different sky territories and however that looks. Um, What if we're not that far away? And and what does that even look like to have robotics uh, at the head of supply chains where things are breaking down and being exposed today uh, from COVID and all the areas where we have a lot of Obvious places where we're we're not, there's no infrastructure. We're not connected like we thought uh, when there's a crisis. So we have two leading experts in the field of robotics that I'm very excited to introduce to you today on Straight Talk Live. Um, And so I'm gonna have you gentlemen introduce yourselves. We have Remy Glasner and Guy Corton. And so uh, gentlemen, welcome to Straight Talk Live.
2: Thank you, Rick. Thank you, very uh, glad to be here today.
3: Thanks Rick, looking forward to it.
0: Okay. Why don't we start with you, Guy? Um, Could you tell us a little bit about your background and also what interests you about robotics and robots? Like what was your connection to this whole field of study?
3: Yeah, sure. Absolutely, Rick. And and really looking forward to spending the next hour with you guys. Um, So again, my name is Guy Koukta. I work at Six River Systems uh, currently, but I've been in supply chain for the past 20 years. Uh, I started out my career uh, back at forestry research back in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, so uh, I got sort of a, a front row seat to the the first, you know, explosion of technology, that dot-com boom, uh, and then really got into supply chain, really felt that supply chain was one of the uh, underlying reasons why a lot of the dot-coms failed. Um, and fast forward to today, I think, you know, we're seeing automation and robotics uh, really go hand in hand with supply chain. And I think Ath also mentioned it's sort of the AI side. So I think it's been a really interesting um, play, so to speak, for for my interest and in, in my business and where I work. And I think that, um, you know, when we look at automation, what's exciting for me is I think that um, in five years, we're going to think of automation as we do now with computation, right? It's just going to be part of our lives uh, and we'll just see it. So I think it's it's really interesting and I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Thank you. How about for you, Remy?
2: Well, um, so how did I get into robotics? That's actually a great question. It was a by mistake i would say um i i happen to be um some kind of engineer in automation or something like that you know by uh, by training even if i never really practiced about it and um that was mentioning i spent um, several years with a company called gartner uh you know in that um, research advisory world and toward the end of my time there um i, I was working with large clients in the us um Telco clients, not to mention any of them, and what happened is I, I started to get like those questions from those people saying, "Well, you know, to sustain our business, our wireless business, we're thinking about cell phone, then smartphone, then tablets," and they were asking, "Could robots be the next thing?" And at the time, you know, Gartner, they plenty of big head knowing a lot of things. I said, "Well, I, I don't know about that. Let me let me ask in the background and see um, what what's going on." and it turned out that I realized at the time that was nearly ten years ago no one was actually covering robotics in the in the way that you know a garden of the world would do, so by that i mean um bring a vision for what robotics uh, could become so robots were already in use here and there, it was still the beginning, and somehow arguably it's still the beginning, but for robotics really what's um what the vision should be for robotics, no one was doing that. And so mm. I guess I kicked my butt and decided to just jump in and realize that it was a fantastic world. Um, I, again, like from my uh, uh, original background, I knew a little bit about it. And since then, I guess, since, yeah, almost 10 years, I never left them. And I think it's an really amazing field with like so many new players popping up every day, a lot of creativity, a lot of new things who are going on. So it's, a, it's very exciting, and I'm very happy to be in robotics for that reason.
0: You know, we've been using this term robots and robotics. Could you just for our audience uh, help with it, un- unpack both of those? <laughs> How are they different? Because I think a lot of times I don't even think they're different. So could you speak to that, please?
2: Yeah, sure. And, and, and Guy might have also a point of view about that. Um, so tr- first off, like, you know, the, uh, the idea of robots and robotics um those two terms have been used uh, really interchangeably, um, one with the other. Um, The way I, I, it's not define it, but the way I would say, uh, the audience should probably like think about it is, robots, it's a device, it's a machine, it does something, okay? robotics includes robots plus other layers of technology. So you can think about AI, you can think about software, uh, you know, all the supporting technology and supporting infrastructure, like the digital infrastructure that goes around the robots, mm-hmm. all that create robotics. So robotics is um, basically very, very broad. Uh, you don't necessarily have to know so much about robots to actually be in robotics. That That's kind of how we define mm-hmm. it. And if you think about robots, I make that joke all the time. If you have 10 people um, to think what a robot is, people will have 10 completely different po- perspectives on what it looks like, you know, the, the form factor and everything. When you think about robotics, and this is why I tend to refer more to it as robotics, it doesn't matter what the robot or the different kind of robot looks like. It's when you think about it as a system that is here to accomplish not only just a series of tasks, but really create value for a company, people, and you name it.
3: Yeah, I would just I would just follow on what Remy said. I think it's a, it's a very good definition. I, I would just say you know for for those people to think about it too is, and I'll take this from a a, a mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Raymond Bradley, who's at the University of Tennessee, and he made the comment of, you know, if you take a step back and you think about the digital world we live in. Right there's the mechanical side, and that might be the robots, and then there's the digital side, which the robotics fits into exactly how Remy was saying. So I think it's really, you know, mechanical versus the uh, the digital. Uh, aspect of the of, of
1: robots and robotics. Good stuff. Um, I'm going to chime in if that's okay. Please, and, please. Uh, there's, there's so many questions that are playing on our minds. Uh, just to give you both some context, we last couple of uh, straight talk live sessions have been about uh, a combination of things. One part has been related to. Uh, the pandemic and, you know, the psychological impacts of the pandemic, how to deal with um, uncertainty, how to build a resilient, a resilient mind, how to be a, a leader who's ready for tough times and chaos and so on, so on and so forth. And we're starting to realize as part of our manifesto, the theme that's shouting out really loud and, and drawing us in is a lot to do with the self. And that's a big part of, of the Straight Talk. live sort of agenda. So I want to start off with the most sort of... Um, uh intriguing question i don't think it's provocative i think it's intriguing is um and it's to do with us as people and and you know many friends and family members and audiences have said are robots going to be a central part of mental well-being um are they going to be the friend we always wish to have bearing in mind we can't meet people face to face a robot thankfully cannot get COVID. um do you see the relationship of a personal robot at home, um, being part of a future somewhere, I don't know how many years down the line. Um, So talk talk us through that. And we've watched it in Hollywood movies and um, in movies like Her, you know, where I think Joaquin Phoenix was, had a relationship with this AI, um, which was robotics, I guess, software-based robotics. So tell us a, a little bit about your personal opinion as experts in this domain as to what this field is about, you know, is where is, there, is this hype? Or are you, you going to just, you know, uh, be real with us and tell us where we're going to end up. So maybe, uh, give, I don't know if you want to stop and we'll yeah,
3: programming I, I think it. after you make an interesting point, you, you know, I, I thought about this too. Let's, let's go back to blade runner, right. Is it a human or is it a robot?
0: <laughs> a replica. Uh, yeah.
3: So we, we've been looking at this issue and, and be well beyond that, and, and I think it, it's an interesting question. I think it it sort of belies sort of a larger question about you know our society and, and how we interact and, and how we you know as humans build relationships and things of that nature and also now with technology, whether it's robotics, social media, cell phones, laptops, you know the the digital network that we all are part of. Um, so I, I like to believe that you know at some point. Uh, the the human still needs human interaction and while we can supplement some of it with automation that the reality is that we you know still need to have these these types of interactions Um, you know I'll sort of use an interesting statistic that that I've been looking at and it's a little bit sideways of robotics but I think it belies what we're talking about here you know e-commerce growing big time because of COVID right part of it is because we're stuck at home we have to shop online and if you look at some of the numbers when the economy started reopening here in the United States a bit, there was a huge push of people shopping at Kohl's and Target and all this, right? Why? Because they wanted to go back out. They wanted to have that human interaction. They they, mm-hmm. they recognized that e-commerce, yes, was important, but it was a part of, of, of their lives, but not their whole part. So I think the same thing with automation, at least I hope. You know, I think that we will... Potentially, yes, we will see more robots, automation, digital technologies coming into our lives and potentially filling what we perceive as a gap in our life. Um, I think there's some good there, but with, with that, there's also some negative, right? We disconnect. We don't understand what mm-hmm. true human interaction is. Um, so I think philosophically, maybe I'm being too optimistic or hopeful where I hope that we hit a certain plateau where we recognize as humans that, you know, we still need to go and have a beer with our mates and, you know, have coffee, spend time with our families. And, and yes, there is a, a social and an emotional aspect of it where it could fulfill a gap. Um, but my hope is, is that, you know, we, we find a way to make sure that it doesn't overwhelm. But I can absolutely see us going off that cliff and, and it's, it, at times it is kind of scary. And I, unfortunately I don't have that crystal ball to be able to, to tell everybody, don't worry, we'll we'll still be okay. Like maybe we do become Blade Runner. Mm-hmm.
1: We we have. I just want to interject, make make one point to add color to what you've said. Uh, for any of us who have grandparents or people in our family who are slightly elderly, um, there is especially these days. There's a lot. There's a lot of concern, and and God forbid, you know, the person is alone. Uh, you know, one one passed away, the other one's alone, either in a care home or at home this whole idea of telemedicine, um, you know, IOT-based healthcare monitoring and so on is is important. But I also find that depression and all of the other mental sort of challenges that you have when you're alone in a a bed watching television all day, um, I almost think, you know, sometimes the use case for having some sort of a companion who has AI and software built into them and has monitoring capabilities, but is not a square box on the corner of the room, but actually can interact with it or has a more of an immersive interactive value. Um, I, you know, in certain communities, I actually think it could be a good thing. So uh, I hear you, but uh, just for the audiences listening there, you know, these are real life problems. These are real life problems, and human beings alone can't solve them. And we're trying, but it's not always possible. So I wonder. I, I always think about robots actually helping people who need help the most at that particular time. Um, not the Terminator example, but the one one I've shared. Uh, Remy, what do you think? What What are your thoughts on it with your experience? Yeah,
2: I, it's a it's it's a great question actually, and something that has been um, up for a while. You know, I mean, whenever they talk about those kind of robots going, you know, to uh, elderly places, um, you know, like interacting with people that make the headline of, I don't know, BBC, CNN or anything, like, because it's cool. Um, I I would, I would just get back to um, what uh, Guy was saying before and agreeing with him that um, at the end of the day, people still need interaction with people. Um, that, you know, robots will never, I don't, I don't think any technology will ever replace that, you know, just we, we, we are animals, we need to have uh, other interaction with other animals. So, Technology has its limit. Now, back to what you were saying, I don't know if um, uh, today's generation of senior uh, people is really necessarily ready for that, for to have like a machine like around them to really interact with them. Uh, It might come later, as you know, all the millennials are getting older and older, um, but, and and maybe some generation um, before that. But but one thing that still is important in uh, what's happening right now is we are actually experiencing... um, some kind of shift uh, in the digital world from anything was so far on the screen you could hear it you could see it but you could not really touch it and robotics i think in a way is bringing that so do i need to have a companion that will look like a human being to sit with me maybe not but can robot actually bring in the um the, the, the cycle like something you can interact with you know by touching it or by, I don't know, smelling it or doing other things, like just using all of your senses and not just, you know, hearing and speaking. Um, I think there, the you know, robotics might have a play and could potentially become um, something that will really complement very, very well what, you know, the real warmth of um, human being interaction is already bringing to date.
1: Are there any companies out there in the personal sort of... Um robotic space that you can think of that we should be aware of. Uh, we'd love to get them on our show, of course. Um, but you, you, you're both in that, in that world, are there any, is there, is there any pioneering organization or a set of companies who are really getting out there and saying, Do you know what the future of the next five to seven years is saying that you need one of these in your house. Um, the only example I can think of maybe it's, it's telling, but when I was much younger, if you remember out of Japan, we had these Tamagotchis that mm-hmm. came about those little things and it was I, like an lcd display and believe it or not i think um i wasn't as addicted, but a lot of my friends were like they used to like feed oh. it and i don't know they were like oh my god i've got to do this to this take care of my tamagotchi it was like a keychain um uh, human beings are just um just very interesting um you know we have interesting ways of behaving do you think there are companies out there who are really taking this to the next level um that that you can talk about
2: yeah absolutely so uh, well back to, to Japan, again, um, SoftBank, SoftBank Robotics, the robotics arm is, you know, with uh, the their robot Pepper, um, they've been in the news recently again about that, like, trying to put, like, those robots who are kind of, like, I mean... Arguably something looking vaguely like a human it's got a head, like two cameras and things it's It's still a lot in my perspective, and it's not actually saying anything wrong, that that anything is wrong about what they're doing, but it's still like a lot of like a, a a tablet you know on wheels. but those kind of things do exist, and actually most of the research that is done right now about like those interactions with robots like you know, at a personal level. Uh, A lot come from Asia, Japan, um, Korea, Um, but actually something that Guy might be able to talk about, too, is uh, people think about it as, you know, the personal relationship you got with a robot, personal relationship at home, but it does also exist um, in the, say, industrial world. Like, how do you uh, include robots in some sort of gamification? Um, solution yeah. that will actually help workers like be more engaged and you know don't feel like okay robots are now kind of taking my job or doing my job. It's like that's actually a real interaction. It's something pretty big right now. I don't know if Keith, you want to comment on that.
3: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I I think you know from the professional or the you know business world, I think we're seeing more robotics being you know interspaced, interfused into whether it's warehouse, whether it's transportation, whether it's last mile fulfillment, whether it's manufacturing, um, and leveraging that. I guess for me, and it's funny, I think, Rick, you mentioned this in the beginning, right? You talk about the Jetsons, right? We all think about the robots as, you know, from the Jetsons, and it looks kind of like a human and interact. But I think the reality is, and also Remy said this, right? You ask 10 people to, to draw a robot, and we'll get 12 different pictures. I think we need to think about the same way, right? So if we look at, you know, some of the robotics that are, we're seeing in the warehouse and the fulfillment space, you're going to look at it and say, that's a robot and it just looks like a you know like a like an automated vehicle or what have you or, or, right it's not yeah it doesn't have arms it doesn't have a you know it's not talking yeah. to you it doesn't look like the terminator um so i think there's there's sort of this 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 chasm between right the science fiction notion of the robots and what the real robots are that are out there and to your to your question half like some of these robots now are becoming you know yes they're there to help do your work they're there to help you do things like move heavy, heavy, you know, pallets and things of that nature. But I think they're also there to, you know, help the human sort of, for lack of a better term, you know, be able to do their job more effectively, but also in a way more enjoyably, right? It's not the monotony of just doing it. It's like, hey, we're gonna, and and we can talk about gamification. I certainly have different philosophies on what gamification really means, but this notion of, all right, let's bring some, let's let the machine, the robot, encourage the that worker to do something that you know has gamification, so it's it's more pleasant um it's easier it's less you know rote work uh but i think it's it's you know we're seeing that and we're seeing that more but i think people always in a way in the mass public we think of oh well it's gonna robot it's gonna look like me it's gonna walk around it's gonna make my coffee it's gonna mm-hmm. you know p- run the vacuum it's gonna take the dog out for a walk and it's gonna and it's gonna you know talk to me like a human All right, well, you know, maybe someday we get there, maybe we don't, but we have to realize, I think, that we're seeing robotics and automation in our everyday lives already, both at work and as a consumer, and we don't even realize
0: it. You know, I've gotten to see this up closely. I've gotten to coach two businesses that have smart factories, and they literally have this seamless integration of these automated machines and humans doing the work in, in these labs and what have you. And it just becomes second nature. You know, after a while, it's just part of the job. And you see these machines go going by hauling product and you know to not get in that lane and the humans are in the other lane. And it just kind of works because you just get used to it like anything. Um
3: yeah. All right, Rick, I was gonna say, I think we think about, you know, let's go backwards. You say go, let's go back 20, 30, 40 years, right? When the computer came out. And I was like, oh my goodness, the computer. And then all of a sudden, you know, Texas Instrument gave us this calculator we could use and it was amazing, right? nowadays we walk around with a supercomputer in our pocket. We don't think twice. Like we, we don't reckon, we don't think about the fact that, Oh my goodness, I've got this amazing processing power. I've got this access to this thing called the internet. I've got fast speed of video and things. That's all computation. That's all computers. We don't think about it anymore. Right. We just think, Oh, let's go this app and look up, you know, X, Y, and Z.
0: Let me ask you this, like with COVID and pandemic, um, one of the things that we get to see on the show is we're seeing a lot of the future in cutting edge areas of so many different um, uh, domains of life. And that's really exciting for us to get to. That's what we're trying to bring to our audience, you guys out there. Uh, and so what I want to ask you, you two gentlemen, is one of the common denominators we see is that the pandemic is, is a great accelerator. It's accelerating the speed of where we need to adapt, where we need to go, and how we need to be smarter about that what are you seeing in terms of acceleration in the robotics field? Um, What's catching your attention right now that maybe wasn't the case six months ago?
3: Yeah, I'll start with that. I think what's been really interesting is when we, when we see, and I see, you know, this pandemic, what it's done is it's moved up the variable of safety health, right? And, it was always there with automation because you know in the past it was hey would you want to pull a 200 pound cart up and down the aisle every day in a warehouse or do you want the robot to do it right let's Mm -hmm. that's that's the one that we always you know your back your knees and all this but now we're certainly seeing a lot more where people because of covid they have to think about how do i keep my employees safe how do i keep my employees distant how do i help sanitize potentially you know my workplace Mm -hmm. and a robot help me do that so instead of having someone have to go up and down aisles, you know, every two hours and, and spray disinfectant. Maybe I have a robot that does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I have a robot in my store that can help uh, gauge people's health. You know, we can get in the whole question of privacy and all that, but, you know, could you see something? Yes, where a robot is, you know, Af and Rick and Guy and Remy walk in and they all say, all right, you gotta stop. And this robot's gonna take your temperature and things of that nature, uh, and then help again, sanitize it afterwards. But I think we're, we're seeing the, um, the acceleration of, of folks recognizing that the robot is complementary to labor and that the robot can actually amongst all the other things they can do beforehand now with covid this notion of hey keep my labor safe keep my my you know keep my place sanitized um let me you know keep people separated by six to feet plus all of a sudden now there's a tool that can automate that process and i think we're, we're certainly at least i am uh, seeing a lot of uh, enthusiasm or accelerance in that space because of COVID.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And just to, um, I, I agree with what he was saying. And um, I, I would say, like, you know, in terms of acceleration, it's, I think robotics, it's even different. Um, robotics were there before the pandemic, there were solutions. Um, I don't think the solutions, like, over the past six months have completely changed or are completely so different. But what was driving the market toward robotics was, um, different things um one was constantly uh mentioned some kind of macro trend which was labor challenge um we it's it wasn't even like oh people are too expensive is we cannot necessarily find the people to do the job and for that i'm talking about like you know fulfillment center in e-commerce uh production line in manufacturing those kind of things so there were it was already there but it was kind of spread out it was not completely even and I would say, arguably, a lot of people could not completely feel it, uh, in the sense that, okay, maybe at the local and tactical level in that warehouse or that plant, I am actually experiencing, like, lacking the staff to do the job. Uh, but it wasn't necessary everywhere. And all of a sudden, with the pandemic, the question was, Is not, do you have the staff potentially around Is I cannot actually work with people. So. But still i still need to produce things i think i still need to move things around and as much as possible i need to almost remove the human component out of it so suddenly people turn around and said well we have to do something so automation um to a point it's great like we got that you know in the digital and i would say virtual world now we need to move that to the operational side of it so like do things um, in real life, in the physical world. And, you know, the example like uh, Amazon Robotics um, you know, powering all the, uh, most of the um, Amazon warehouses where already like hundred thousand of robots are moving around and doing part of the job. All of a sudden, that was already an example. But all of a sudden people realized, well, actually we have no other choice. We have to move there. We have to do it. So what it did was suddenly first that realization that we, must actually consider robotics. It's not this move like full speed ahead there, but we must consider it. And I would say it also we must consider it, but it wasn't just coming from say warehouse manager or plant manager. It was, it's actually spreading across organization and across people It's like for many more people, it starts to make sense. It's not just about automation. It's not just about you know, incremental improvement of whatever you're doing. It's about business continuity. It's about either I do that or might just not exist in months from now. And so I have to implement that and I have to do that quick. So I think that, you know, yes, it's an acceleration in many ways, but I think robotics was more like an epiphany almost. Uh, It's like, we must consider robotics uh, as part of, you know, processes and daily thing that we're doing.
1: When we we spoke um, a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago, I think you guys raised a really interesting point about the awareness of the fact that robotics isn't something that's it's new or it's like this it's just associated with the cyborg or um, you know something that's really out there we've been experiencing robotics for many many years and that was a really interesting observation for me i never really thought about it that way because of the busyness of everything that we're doing and getting caught up with the next big trend and so on So talk us through a little bit more about uh, the realization that actually human beings are quite familiar with robotics. Um, When you say what you're going to say soon, I'm sure we are all in our respective homes, nodding our heads going, actually, he's got a good point. So uh, tell us a bit about our, our current state of readiness and acceptance of robotics and how will that increase or decrease maybe as new forms of robots Emerge in our consumer world and then in the business world. Talk us through the psychology of that a little bit, if you would, both of you.
3: Yeah, I could take a first pass to that. I think to your point, I think we've we've looked at mechanical, robotic automation, you know, in our lives for a lot longer than I think we all realize. I mean, I, I would argue, uh, you know, the elevator is a robot, right? It's a mechanical tool that you press a button and it does something, and there's no human that actually interacts with it other than you to give it a command and it does something. Um, you know, the same thing as autonomous vehicles, right? How long has cruise control been in cars? That's kind mm-hmm. of a form of autonomous vehicle. So we have a lot of these, you know, again, I, I go back to when we t- opened this up and you said, hey, everything's the Jetsons as the robots. That's maybe, you know, that's the end state down the road. But the reality is the incremental steps that we have taken or even some big leaps we have taken with automation have been around us i would say for decades if not longer i mean you know we, let's go back to the steam engine if, if we want to you know push it back to there i think we you could make that argument i think what's happening now is that as that automation to your point of becomes more customer facing i think this is when we're getting to an inflection point so when that robot was now yes an elevator is customer facing i get it someone's going to say that but um as we get to a point where, you know, traditional automation as we see it, so mechanical robots in an auto manufacturing plant, things of that nature, right? Those are in contained environments where you train the labor, you train people, people get used to it, people understand, you know, Rick, you make a great point. Like you're, you're walking through a warehouse and you know that uh, that automated fork truck is gonna come down this aisle uh, and you don't think twice about it. You move out of the way and there's no one in it. And you're like, okay, that's just part of it. Now put that environment in the grocery store, and now you've got your four-year old and you've got this automated you know either it's a, a skew counting machine or whatever it may be come down the aisle, now it's so a little different because of the context. So I think that we are getting to a point where because we're going to see more of that active automation that stands out so to speak in our consumer space, whether it's I mentioned grocery stores, um, you th- see things like FedEx you know trying out. Uh, automated sort of uh, last mile delivery, where there'll be no one there, just be sort of this this machine that comes to your door and drops stuff off. Uh, you look at what Amazon is trying to do with drone delivery, right? All of a sudden, we are going to get much more automation in our faces as consumers, and I think that's going to be very interesting. What is the adoption rate? What is the acceptance of it? You know, millennials, probably all of us here on this call who are very used to technology, will probably be like, okay, that's fine, but. And i love her to death and she's an incredibly smart woman but what's my mom going to do you know if my mom's in the grocery store and this robot comes up to her it, it, what is she going to do is she going to turn around and be like i'm out of here is she going to interact is she going to know what it's there to help her with or try to do for her um you know how is she going to react to it i think that's that's the audience we we need to you know all of us in robotics need to be aware of and to, and to think hard about what is that going to look like when you know, we stick more of these tools into the into the wild, and the wild being with us consumers.
2: Yep, no, I, um, I, I another time where I agree with Gee uh, um, about what he was saying. Um, I, I would just argue that I, I would be probably more worried about my mom going to a robot than a robot going to my mom. But <laughs> it's you know. <laughs> Um, just to, to, to supplement on what Guy was saying, you know, robotics or some form of automation, yes, has been around us for um, much longer than we think. We just, we just don't think about it anymore but on a lot of things. So if you think about, like, you know, the, the core, say, capabilities or functionalities of what automation or, like, say, low-level robotics is, you think about sensing, thinking, or computing, acting. Um, if this is the base, it has been around for a while. Now what's new with robotics, with what I call digitally-enabled robotics, is the cavity to also collaborate, communicate, and even with some form of AI, anticipate what's happening. So that's when you can actually, like what Guy was saying, you can actually position robotics and think about robotics in many more setups, many more uh, operational situations, including situations where you have consumer interaction in a store and people that that don't necessarily know um, either the technology or the machine, um, or, or have no idea how that works, having something like much more um, intuitive to work with, um, you know, that's the collaboration communication part, collaboration, communication also, you know, at system level right now, um, robots um that are in some robotic system, they they usually work. I mean most of them work somehow in isolation, you know. So now what if you you can connect that with a lot of different systems and actually mm-hmm. make the experience even better for whomever used them, whether in the uh you know uh, business world uh, or industrial world or consumer world, we will see that coming more and more and more after all, you know, it's just um uh, you know my 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 iphone is doing a lot of great things if my iphone tomorrow is growing legs will i be so surprised no so it's it's kind of like a natural thing that's happening
1: do you you just talked about something that's that's um very topical related to um security i don't mean <laughs> cybersecurity. i mean personal security or physical security and it's been talked about quite a lot recently adt i think uh, which is a is a large security firm i think they got they got um Someone took a stake in them. I think it was Google or someone took a significant stake in ADT, some tech titan. It was really interesting and um, drove up their valuation and stuff. And I was having a conversation with someone recently who's in the um, physical security space, um, an ex-intelligence individual. And um, he was walking me through the advancements in sort of, you know, um, uh, the tools and technology, software, you know, different ways of looking at um, uh, night vision and almost multi sort of level of uh, analysis that you do when you're in the battlefield uh, and so on and so forth. And then we started to talk about the, I was talking about robotics and I was talking about robotics outside of cameras. So if you look at uh, Ring and you look at the first drone, home drone that Amazon's about to launch, was launched last week. We haven't got it in Europe, but you guys are gonna have it in America first. Um, I'm gonna trial one of those. So that's the first sort of drone robot, and that's a robot in your house that goes off when there's an intruder. Right. And now it's a bit voyeuristic because I don't know why you'd like to sit somewhere and just sit and watch how the burglars break breaking into your house. Really weird. But anyway, it looks cool and it pops up and it's a little bit like Minority Report and it's happening. It's all happening now. So what about robotics when it comes to sec- security? Uh, I think about the streets. Uh, outside of my house I'm just I, you know I wonder why because personal safety is so important why there isn't a physical robot like in the aisle of a shop that is well caged and protected traveling the streets with cameras all over it um, just capturing imagery just so people aren't naughty and behave themselves. So what, what are your thoughts around that is there any advancement any innovation in uh, robotics on the street and security in terms of security home and or outside?
3: Well, I don't know, Abby, you saw the, there's, there have been some videos and we talk about COVID, right? And you look at hmm. the uh, robotic dog from Boston Scientific and and they had one out in Singapore that was walking around the parks. And it'd go up to people and say, you're too close. Step away. Like, you know, <laughs> move six feet apart. And it was, you know, it was, people looked at it and were like, oh boy, like, here we <laughs> go. But it's coming and, and I think, you know, now, you know, let's, let's, uh, we can use some more robot movie references, but RoboCop, right? I RoboCop.
0: Mean, that's what I was thinking yeah, of.
3: Yeah. I, I, is that what we're, you know, I, again, philosophical question. We could, we could write a few PhD theses on this. I think it's, I think if I look right for, for yourself, like like if you look in the UK and all you're doing with CCT cameras, right. You're already having some of that constant 24 seven monitoring. We're starting to see more of that here. Um, is that, you know, the next step, yeah, is to have a mobile platform called a robot that's going to be walked around the streets, keeping an an eye on everything. Um, Do we then take it to the next level where the robot will leverage some AI to make some decisions and say, hey, you know, why are you hanging out the street corner for too long? I'm going to come over here and and do something. Um, You know, I, I think that might be sort of the scary dark side of it, um but it's you know it's 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 something there's something there
2: yeah i, I would say um that you know, I think we're not there yet um and, and we might actually you know just to disagree with Guy, just at least i need to do that once during that show um <laughs> I think we're not there yet you we're know, pretty far away uh from it um from different perspective um first like just the, the pure like physical interaction with some kind of security robots i mean Uh, something called cobots, collaborative robots um, in the industrial space which is basically more or less a robotic arm at the time and now it expanded to different things but the robotic arm that could move around a worker sort of safely it's only a few years old so that is in an environment that was caged before now you can start to remove the cage and everything because you're new best friend, best buddy that's working next to you, that was, that used to be Guy, now that's a robot. Guy, I was never worried that he would punch me in the face, you know, uh, the robot might, so we need to have all those systems to make it just secure to do a simple task, repetitive task over and over again, was just r- r- there. So now having a robot patrolling around and telling you, hey, you're six feet apart, how is that security? We could do that with your phone already. Uh, we, you, don't a, you don't need a robot. What the robot could do is maybe take the people and pull them apart. But then, like you know, all the physical security, like having some machine doing something around you, um, it's pretty complex to put that in place. And I think we're, we're really like we're not so close from that. And so that the technology side of it, and this is also the, the acceptance part of it. Um, I'm not sure I want to actually be policed around by a robot or have a robot getting out of an automatic car and giving me a ticket. Like, because I want to argue with a policeman. I cannot argue with a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, your true
0: motives come forward,
2: Remy. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Remy, we are in like mall situations here where they're having Mm -hmm. robots that do the patrolling again, you know, and, and scoot around and and patrol and, and monitor. Now, again, to your point, Remy, it's a, Enclosed space. It's a controlled environment. Uh, it's a mall environment, right? It's not in the middle of the street. Um, but it, it's. I, I But to Tommy's point, I think it's, it's. It becomes also a question of we as citizens, do we accept it, right? Mm-hmm. Accept yeah. it? You know, we can have this argument all day long. Hey, we already have given up a lot of privacy. You know, any of us who carry around an iPhone and Android or all that. And and I love the Apple commercials that tell you how you know we're, we protect your we protect your data and your security. I'm like, come on, really? Like, let's mm-hmm. let's. Sell- <laughs> let's, let's not try to fool us here. Um, but, you know, w- w- is it a slow burn, right? Is it a cell phone? And then do we move to we accept more? I don't know. Like, I think it's an interesting philosophical discussion about where do we go with all this? You know, where where, does, where do we allow this to go? Where do we allow this to take us? Because I think, you know, for example, I, I remember talking to um, uh, the, the folks that ran uh, the paramedics team out of Indianapolis and they were talking about leveraging drones. So now it's not monitoring, but it's sort of the first step where, you know, if, if if there's an emergency, they send the ambulance out, but they'll send a drone out ahead that has basic, basic equipment on it that any one of us could come and it would give you the instructions like, Oh, this person's having a heart attack. Here's a defibrillator, take it out. Here's how you use it. Right. So all of a sudden now that's for safety. That's, that's your question about the physical aspect of a robot helping us with safety and security. that's a great example but we could definitely see sort of i think the the flip side where it becomes a little bit intrusive where again to remy's point i don't want some robot pulling me over uh and you know now it's it's judge dread type type days right
2: you you know what just like just to um get back onto one of the latest comments um and i think that's actually what robotics is probably meant to do in the near term is bring more flexibility and more possibility like in terms of security we didn't have drones before that could automatically get to some place where an accident, but all that was you know, complicated. Mm. So you can make that cheaper, better, more efficient. So I think that's where robotics will actually supplement maybe, you know, uh, first responder or you, if you know, there's clear instruction on how to do that. Um, can a robot you know, take care of you and, you know, I don't know, um, uh, you know may, may, make you feel better? I, I possible, uh, but not not short term. However, like, like you said, like uh, for safety, but for also a lot of other, um, you know, setup and environment. I think for bikes, um, enabling, really enabling, like more, uh, a more nimble approach to everything that we're doing and <clears throat> enabling new things. Basically, enabling all of us to new things. That that's where robotics should be right now, and arguably starting to be. Let's talk about that
0: on a deeper level here. And so, I want to remind the audience to send in your questions if you're tuning in live on YouTube, Facebook, or even on our Zoom call. Send in your questions now. And we got one uh, first one from Rahul that I think uh, really speaks to the heart of this. So let's get straight talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of robotics right now. So we want to ask you two experts here. um, What are some of the good things that you're seeing in supply chains that that, uh, guests could feel, that you guys could feel will actually benefit the supply chains coming forward in the near future? But then also, what are some of the longer term uh, negative ramifications to speak to also that you're concerned about? So what what is some of the good, bad, and the ugly that you're seeing in the field right now in terms of supply chain?
3: Yeah, I'll be self-serving here and talk a little bit about, you know, what I'm seeing specifically in my, my role. I think one of the good things is the ability to leverage and to harmonize sort of automation robotics with the human in the fulfillment channel. And I think what we're seeing is that it's allowing companies to address, you know, all of us here sitting here and listening to this. All of us are making our day jobs harder in the supply chain because all of us as consumers are putting way more strain on the supply chain than it was ever built for. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing automation really uh, not necessarily solve it because there's no, there's no, you know, it's, it's all a constantly moving target. But I feel like automation is certainly what, what, what I'm seeing today is helping meet those needs, but also provide the flexibility to meet those needs, right? I think what's really interesting about some of the automation we're seeing today, as opposed to what I would say automation 10, 15 years ago. Is that because it can operate and, and Remy sort of touched on this, right? Independently, it can auto it can operate and interact in its own. It can do things on its own. It's giving the warehouse, for example, tremendous flexibility it didn't have before, as opposed to going in and you know rip and replacing all your 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 warehouse infrastructure and putting in hard automation. Now you can augment what you already have. And I think that's that's a very that's a good positive from the standpoint of you know, making the, reducing the friction in our supply chain. I think in the end, we're always trying to reduce friction in the supply chain. You know, I think the negative is like we talked about is, is, you know, there's, there's times where it crosses over and my negative, and this is maybe my little soapbox too on this is, you know, we talk a lot about the robots and helping with gamification and things of that nature. You know, when I look at gamification, it's a cute, fun name that, you know, my five-year-old would get, but when you look at it, there is a bit of a deep darker side to it which is hey i'm putting everybody's name up on a big board and it's all scoring well guess what that also shows me who the bottom feeders are and who i can go out and say you know what you three weren't very good i'm gonna fire you um Hmm. and it's 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 almost reducing the human aspect to a mechanical measure which i think is very dangerous
2: Hmm. Hmm. yep yep i think i think those are a great point guy um i would say my, my perspective like the good and specifically when it comes to supply chain i think it's um Again, yeah, I will, will be making the same same point. It's, it just enable probably to do a lot more things to have you know more nimble supply chain. So to basically like have um, serve like whether it's consumer or not, but serve like people better and make sure that you get the right thing when you need it. So we're talking about uh, security and first responder. Um, even if that's not as dramatic as that, you know, it will just enable us to like keep having you know what's necessary around us. Um, let's say the, the the good part of robotics. The the bad part of robotics, I think, is it will actually keep leveling up the expectation, especially from a consumer perspective. I mean, a few months ago, it was hard to find toilet papers or anything. And I mean, people were just like, oh my God, is it possible to actually that a store could miss something? Um, And it's not just one store, it's every store. Uh, Or or, um, I I think it was in the UK about a year ago, There were like some kind of shortage about some sort of vegetables. Um, Same thing is people were, I mean, in shock because not used to that anymore. Well, yes, hang on. Uh, those vegetables are hard to find. It's not the season. So, you know, live with that. So it's basically like it's all the the dark side of consumerism, if you like, um, that I think might get like, you know, um, push, to an edge that's not necessarily where we want to be and like create expectations that are not the same. In the meantime, also like the good and the bad is like robotics, you know, um, it's great. It's a great, fast moving industry, create tons of jobs. And, um, you know, a lot of more people than me now are talking about robotics and that's fantastic. Um, In the meantime, it's also kind of create like new or future tech titans. Like basically, if you are equipped with robotics, if you can equip yourself at scale, well, you start to get an advantage that other don't have. And you basically, like, make the world much more binary. So it's basically either you're Amazon or you're not. Um, robotics, like, everyone usually start, talks about robotics, especially in the uh, warehouse and um, supply chain environment, by mentioning Amazon. It's either you're Amazon or you're not. And I think it's, you know, somehow it's, I'm calling that bad in the sense that, you know, well, we want to see new player coming in and actually changing the game. I, I, I hope they won't be, it won't be Google or Amazon that will actually urine um, over robotics, but there will be some new company. So it's like, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad or ugly, but it's probably like actually getting the world into kind of black and white situation, which I, I don't think is necessarily best for um, a lot of reasons.
1: Have have they, you know, these days we're talking about unemployment and the the rise of AI and its role on jobs and uh, one school of thought is, oh no, that's all rubbish. Uh, all these people who um aren't, are going to be impacted by AI, are going to do better jobs, bigger jobs, they'll be retrained and so on. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is, well, not quite. There are a lot of people who are unable to learn Python and, and new data science tools and software. Not everyone's wired to do those technology related jobs. What are they going to end up doing? Hence the conversation around universal, um, income, you know, basic income and so on. So, um, what, what's the kind of, what's the, what's the word on the street around the rise of robotics and its impact on jobs? Um, I I totally get the point that the the factory, the 21st century factory, to the, what you said earlier, and where you know Rick is spending a lot of his time these days in um, quite an impressive uh, robotics-driven factory with one of his clients. So we and there are not many people around. Unlike 15 or 20 years ago, you would have seen loads of people knocking widgets or relying on some you know the the, the hand robots or the single purpose robots. And so now there's sort of collab robots. There's the Kiva running around and all sorts of stuff. So what's the, what's the, cause you're talking about negative things. Let me pose one provocative point. You know, I, uh, some people feel that robotics a- along with AI is basically going to destroy um, the whole concept of employment and people won't have anything to do because robots are doing it. Heck, the drones are going to take away the delivery driver's job. Not all of them but many of them so w- what is your view on it um because it is something that's worrying people especially right now because of the situation we're in
2: yeah i think i think uh, it's, a, it's another topic where we can actually write a couple of phds on uh, but um i'd say um well you know it's you have to think about it from a different perspective the first one is just like okay it's technology moving forward and like advancing in everything um well do we still worry about the people who lost their job because they knew how to operate a telegraph? Uh, probably not. It's the same kind of things. Like, okay, it will be moving to a different class of technology that will enable different things. If you were lagging already in your skill sets, uh, well, it will be even more apparent. So yes, you might suffer. Um that, that's the way it is, but it's not robots or robotics, it's technology, it's advanced in everything. Um, same thing. If you don't if you don't have a driving license, it doesn't matter how great the car is, right? It's exactly the same thing. Um and now, like, if you think about robotics and why robotics and AI are actually um, bring good thoughts, it's because um, we are seeing, a lot of people are seeing robotics, well, you, you name it actually, it's an arm. It's something moving around. It's like, it's something that, you know, so far only us humans could really do. Uh, AI, it's artificial intelligence, doesn't matter what it actually is. We call it with the term that is actually make it like something human. So, well, it's like, are we creating extra human that could actually be much better than we are? Um, and that's worrying. Like, you know, we, we don't, no one wants to feel obsolete. It's just human nature, I would say. In the meantime, um, you also mentioned something about, you know, um, is it really about losing your job or is it about losing your income? Um, I would love to be paid for nothing. I mean, you know, I don't mind if a robot takes my job. Just don't take my income. It's, it's, <laughs> you were talking about, like, universal um, income. That's kind of, I mean, I don't think that's the solution. But at the end of the day, what we're worrying about is, like, can we have a you know, roof over our head? Can, I, can Can my daughter You know, go to school and be fed and those kind of things? That That's important. Now, will the job be done by a robot and AI or something? What, what Why should I care? I mean, and by the way, I... Do personally believe that the uh, human beings have that sense of creativity and anticipation, and everything that will not necessarily be replaced anytime soon. So you know, um, long live the human beings. <laughs> yeah, I, I
3: think there's you know, uh, you just go back through all the dust revolutions. You go back through all the you know rise of steam engine, rise of the telephone, rise of the internet, uh, and there's always this fear. Um, you know, I like to be. Optimistic on it, like Lenny said, like you know, the, I think the human as humans, and we we sort of started with this conversation around sort of that human aspect. Um, I think we as humans will continue to uh, find employment, fly, find income, and robots and automation, and technology is still going to be um, a tool that we use, just like a hammer or a saw. Um, but I also understand, like because it's it is this this, you know. This digital aspect, or as Lemmy said, sort of a robot that starts to look like a human, uh, it's also human nature to start putting two and two together and figuring out. Wait a minute, that's that's going to replace what I'm doing. I mean, you know, I think we we have the same issues when you you talk to people that are accountants or lawyers, and they say, wait a minute, like if we use this thing we call AI, and we just have the you know all of the law process you know digitized, why need a lawyer? Just go you know search case law and just put it up on the computer, and and there you go, you're all set. Um, so i actually i absolutely understand why there's fear and, and i you know i i, I think about it all times too it's you know i, I have conversations with some people who who you know who are very smart and capable who say why don't we need a salesperson i just you know price everything online and person plugs these numbers and boom off they go and it's like yeah you know maybe for some things it works but the reality is you still again you still have human contact there's still that subtlety that i'm i'm hopeful maybe more hopeful than i believe that our automation, our robots, our AI will never catch up with. Maybe it will, maybe we reach singularity and then, you know, then we are in trouble. Um, but I certainly think that in the near term, um, I certainly look at it as, yeah, automation will definitely take jobs away. There's no doubt, but it also create other jobs. It also create other industries. It'll also create other opportunities to make that income. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree with that point too, that adaptability is just part of our nature and that's what's going to happen. Um, and let me ask you this uh, as we're winding down here: for those interested in this field, the entrepreneurs out there, the graduates, the postgraduates, all of those on the cutting edge that are fascinated by robotics in this field, what advice would you have for them as they're entering this new and exciting field?
3: I, I mean, I, I, you know, I sort of mentioned being at Forrester in the late '90s when this, the dot-com boom happened, so I think there's a lot of parallels and similarities, and. Uh, I think anybody who's interested in the space first, I say, you know, jump right in. I think it's a really interesting space. I think there's a lot of opportunity, but I also think it's like everything in technology, right? Don't fall in love with the actual technology itself. Think of what the use case is. What's the value it brings back? I look at some of the most successful, you know, robotic use cases. It's for, for simple things like what? Like mopping the floor. Okay. Hey robot can do that really well. And all of a sudden it, it, it brings value because I can take an FTE out. I can do it more consistently. Mm -hmm. Right. That that's, you know, that's not, that's not It could be conceited. That's that's not cool. That technology, but it's a very practical thing that the robot can do. Uh, so I think for anybody who's interested, it's, it's like all technologies, right? Don't, don't get too, or don't fall too in love with the technology itself, but keep looking at the business cases of what it's solving and why it makes sense. You know, I'll give you guys one example. I remember Uh, talking to Caterpillar many years ago, right. And they sell these massive earth movers, uh, and for millions of dollars. And I remember he was telling me the same thing. He's like, you know, I remember he was out in in a, in a place, I think it was in India and he was trying to sell this. And and the guy looked at him and said, listen, I can hire labor for like two cents a day. What Mm -hmm. do I need this? Right. So again, think of the business case. Why is Mm -hmm. this appealing to your customer or the value prop? Don't fall in love with technology. Technology is cool. Don't, don't lose that, but don't fall in love just with technology. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think I think you uh, you made a great point here about like uh, don't fall in love with technology. I kind of like it. I would say, um, and I will go along the same line actually. That that will also be my advice for people getting in um, robotics. And they do, they don't have to be young, by the way. It can be anyone at any age. It's not so complicated. Um, but I would say um, don't think through the robots. Think through robotics. That's you know what I was saying at the beginning. And um, Think outside the box. Don't try to actually get into robots as part of robotics to just do something all better. Think about like what Guy was mentioning is think about what you can, the, the outcome of using robots and robotics in a certain setup and create something new. Um, one um, kind of example uh, that, that I, I, I use very often is what I call the case for electricity when you know, the world, like the manufacturing world moved from steam Powered um, devices to electricity-powered ones. Um, at the time, you know, to have like steam power coming to all devices, you had to you had to have the, um, the, the source of power and all the devices around to be very very centralized around that. Okay, when when we moved to electricity, there were like an inherent um, benefit to do that, like 10, 15 percent better, like uh, more efficiency because you don't have to clean the machine. You know? But the first factories. They were exactly built the same way the robots are are, are in use today they were just like they were taking like an electricity plug or something and just like building all the machine around and it took another generation of people that were not coming from that era to think well what about all those machineries we pull them together one after the other the same way we have our processes working and that all of a sudden we started to like have improvement in efficiency in possibility that were nowhere seen before and I think this is where robotics still needs to go. So for people who want to join robotics, first, I, I, I think it's fantastic to work for robotics. Bring on new ideas. Don't think about the robot. Think about what you can do with that. Be the case for robotics, like the, like it was the case for electricity at the time. Um, bring on new things.
1: Okay, and my final question, again, because you're giving some fantastic responses. Do, do, do we have to do, does one have to be uh, trained in computer science? Do you have to be good at maths? Uh, what, what's the gig? Like, can you just go into robot? Let's say you finish a master's or, a, or a, an MBA, and you're like, "I want to go into robotics. I think it's fascinating. I love Hollywood movies. I read three books on it, but I'm not. I can't code. You know. So to, 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 it's a simple question, but it's a real one. It's a practical question. How, would does can anyone go into robotics?
3: Hey, I, I have a degree in political science, so I guess the answer is yes.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> You heard it here from our experts, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 uh, I, I,
2: would, I would concur with that. Yes, absolutely. Actually, come over into robotics, especially if you don't know how to code. If you know how to code, mm. you might know too well how to code. and You might have boundaries and mm. not see what's possible. So mm. please, come in robotics if you have no idea what robotics is. It's even better.
1: Yeah, well, there's one question that's coming. Sorry, I, I must ask it in the last two minutes or one minute, and maybe we need to talk about this offline, but it is a question about, you know, from Matteo, how should we think about um, the regulation of the code that underpins robotics?
0: Whoa, that's a... T- <laughs> <laughs> a, a last easy question for you guys. Yeah, wow. e-
2: Exactly, yes, in one minute each. Um, uh, you, you mean in some some form of, like, the same way AI is viewed at potentially being biased in the way it's used um that's exactly the same i mean the algorithm that are um you know uh, commanding robots are many of them are now ai AI based so the same thing is like taking into consideration the entire environment and keep like adding to it in order to make sure that what the robots will do like whatever action they're doing are not either biased so that's pretty i mean that's could be dramatic sometimes, but also just don't make mistakes because that could like hurt people or do something wrong. So just about like don't don't think about it of, of about robotics as and, and AI is the same as like a, some kind of like closed fence system. Think about it as something that could ingest data and actually act upon it, but that will always look around at new um, type of data that could actually feed the system to get even better, to get better and better. That's that's that would be my very one minute short answer. Yeah.
1: That's a good I one.
3: Agree with Remy on that. And I think the other the other one, and, and you know, we don't have time, but I think it's it's not just the underlying nature of the code, but then it's it's the information, right? I think I look at robots in the robotics space. Robots are a tremendous consumer of data, but they're also a tremendous producer of data. Uh, and then, you know, now we go right back into that question of data privacy and mm-hmm. what we do with that. So I think it's also another thing that, you know, anyone who wants to get into robotics again to your to your questions earlier. You know, I think because of that, these are becoming issues that are beyond just you know engineers, robotic engineers. I think there's there's plenty of there's plenty of space in the pool to jump on in. But I think it's it, it's helpful to have folks, to Remy's point too, that that have that other perspective because we we are going to have to address these issues. Uh, they're here already, and they're going to continue to be there. Um, and I think we you have to have some you know critical thinking from different places to There's no right or wrong answer, but I think they're just to constantly push and ask and try to find some kind of answer as we move forward.
0: Well, we want to thank you both for joining our show today, Straight Talk Live. Um, And where can uh, Guy and Remy, where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, For
3: me, just look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, So, you know, first name Guy, last name C O U R T I N, or I'm on Twitter uh, at G Cortin. So, G C O U R T I N. And just hit me up on those two. Be happy to chat.
2: Yeah, well, same here. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Glaisner, spelled G-L-A-I-S-N-E-R. And uh, Remy, first name, R-E-M-Y. It's all, way, uh, all around you on um, uh, your portal for straight, like, straight talk life Sorry, so people are just free to uh, come and contact us, I guess. We'll be very happy to hear from them.
0: Fantastic, uh, Merci, mes amis. <laughs> no, yeah. And uh, and just a really quick recap for next week, same time. We're going to have our first return guest in Dr. John Martini one of the leading human behavior experts out there and really, you know, something that we all have to navigate uh, as humans. And especially in these times, how do we actually overcome fear? Uh, what What are some of the practical ways to do that? And I know Dr. John Martini is going to offer some really practical tips that speak deeply and, and give real tools that you can take away. So come join us next week. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. And until then we bid you adieu and merci to everyone out there. Thank you. <laughs> thank you rick and f thank you both hey, thank you guys, Thanks. You guys take care. thank you so much have a wonderful
1: okay. day Bye. cheers
0: go do good everyone out there Let's talk to you soon adios